Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam, and I serve as the Campus Support Team Director here at SMCC. With me, I've got Eric Nelson, our teaching pastor, and our lead pastor, Paul Roby. Thanks for being here today, guys. Excited for this discussion? Yeah, excited. Uh, It's a kind of a fun week here in Utah. It's what's called fall break, and so maybe someone's listening to this while they're on the road traveling for fall break. We have some family coming into town, and so um, really a fun season here in Utah. Yeah. It never feels like fall break for me. I don't know why. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> you got a little golfing break over the weekend, so that's what you get. I get one day to golf. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> Thank right. you. Yeah. All right, guys. We got some some really interesting things going on t- in today's episode, and really today is kind of like a bonus episode. We're wrapping up season two of our podcast and wanted to give you uh, a little bit of, of some bonus content. This is something that, that Paul wanted to do, and I'm really excited for the conversation today. But before we get into that, super quick reminder, please, 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 if you have not, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast and leave a review. We love getting reviews from people, and uh, it really helps us to be more visible and to, to help get this out to more people. So thank you for doing that. Share it with a friend and uh, that might be interested, and uh, we really appreciate that. And as well, you can ask questions uh, with the email or phone number that is in the description below, and we would love to answer those for you. There might be some good questions that you have from today's bonus episode, and so just make sure to keep that in mind that you can come to us with a question. We would love to be able to discuss that with you. Now, what we've been doing is we've been going through the SMCC way, and we've covered some different sections of it, and really today's episode, like I said, is a bonus episode for the finale of season two, and uh, we're going to be talking about something that might be... um, Maybe, maybe you know, some people are, feel awkward talking about this, or they're just not sure you know, what they think, and so you, you might want to hear what Paul has to say about this. But what we want to talk about today, what Paul really wants to present and answer some questions about, is this topic of giving, and I'm being super broad with this, Paul, uh, but kind of let me know why you, you have an ebook on giving uh, that people can find on the website, and they can read if they want to. So you wrote this. Uh, what, why did you feel the need to write something about this in particular? I think uh, there's several things that prompted me. First of all, the lack of good literature on giving. I um, I do like some of the things that are out there, and uh, Randy Alcorn wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. It's pretty good, uh, but not specific. Uh, Andy Stanley even has a, a book, I think, called Fields of Gold or something like that, and there's some statements in there that are very encouraging, and there are some that are just flat out not true. Mm-hmm. And and not to be super critical, because I really uh, appreciate both of those guys, but at the same time, I have been through a building program where we were raising money, and we hired Enjoy Ministries, and uh, that's the John Maxwell group, and found that... Uh, even their guy wrote a book on giving that he was so encouraging to us to read and digest. And as I read it, I thought to myself, this is awful. This is, <laughs> this is confusing the issue. And usually the, the issue is the confusion between have to and get to. 
you know, what's commanded and what's simply a matter of the heart, free will, it's my pleasure type of giving. And and so because there was a lack of good literature on that distinction, the two types of giving that we're often confronted with or given the opportunity to participate in, I decided to write that ebook. Wow. So this is going to, you know, kind of go into multiple, multiple directions. Um, but when you say that things, you know, were maybe clear or, or, you know, confusing, or maybe just people just don't know what is, you know, commanded mm-hmm. and what is kind of, you know, of your own decision, um, you know, as a Christ follower. So help understand, help us understand that distinction. Yeah. Well, when we say that tithing is actually commanded, um, that just puts people off. They just think that's Old Testament. And generally speaking, there's a huge misunderstanding between Old Covenant and New Covenant thinking. And I'm happy that a lot of people are pushing back uh, just in terms of their own sensibility regarding what was required of Israel and what's required of the church. There is a distinction. The Old Covenant is obsolete. It's been repealed and replaced by the New Covenant, and I love that. And so when we're talking about tithing being commanded, we're not talking about tithing in the same way that it was talked about by Moses in terms of the Old Covenant. There is no reward. There is no blessing attached to tithing. And so you're not better off with God if you do, and you're not worse off if you don't. Our standing with God is secure, not because of what we do, it's because of what Christ has done. So the gospel is 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 not canceled in terms of obedience to this command to tithe. Mm-hmm. So Paul, um, take us through where you see the tithe in the New Testament. Because um, a lot of people yeah. might say that is in the Old Testament, is the word ever used in the New Testament? Did Jesus command it? Did the Apostle Paul command it? Uh, where do we see that in the New Testament? Because most people uh, have probably heard, if you've spent much time in church, uh, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Give what you've decided in your heart to give. These are some of the passages that people use to say 10% is not commanded. So, you know, we might be in the minority a little bit by saying 10% is the is the command. So take us through some of that. Yeah, we'll go New Testament, then we'll go Old Testament, and then we'll compare and contrast those two things. First of all, Jesus did talk about tithing in Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the important, the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then he says this, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he's not canceling tithing there. Now, the argument is he's talking to Jewish people, he's talking to people under the law. Mm-hmm. I grant that that's a good argument, but at least Jesus supported the practice of tithing. And it's interesting to think that he would encourage somebody to do something that would be repealed and replaced in a matter of months, mm-hmm. if not years. Correct. Uh, in Luke 11, he said this, "'Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God.'" 
you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Mm -hmm. So obviously, um, Jesus talked about it. He, he probably talked about it multiple times in multiple ways, which right. is why the Gospels record it, you know, multiple Gospels record it. This is probably a regular part of his conversation with people. And people like Tim Keller uh, make my point in a different way, and that is they say that if you look at, for instance, the Sermon on the, on, uh, on the Mount, he, uh, he would say that under grace more is required than under the law. More commitment, more dedication, and obviously if the law required 10%, more is required of us as believers in Jesus Christ to, you know, and, and, and it's, it's an end-around way to mm -hmm. encourage people to tithe, but I actually think specifically the tithe is mentioned in the New Testament by the mm -hmm. Apostle Paul, yeah. and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, and the and and so the context in First Corinthians nine is the support of pastors. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul is is really uh, so insistent that the people take the responsibility to 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 support their own ministers, their own workers for the gospel. And so in, in verse 7 it says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? And the answer, the expected answer is no one. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? And, and so in those situations, the pastor would be the soldier or the pastor would be the one who planted the vineyard. Well, the ex expectation is no. <laughs> no one does that. Who tends the flock and does not drink of the milk? Same thing, the pastor would be the one who's tending the flock. Do I say this merely from a human point of view? No. Doesn't the law say the same thing? Yes. Uh, for it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And that's a super random thing mm -hmm. to say. It, for us, it's not for the Jewish listener or for the person uh, hearing that for the first time. In other words, you don't deny people a livelihood from what they do for work. And then he says this, um, do I say this merely from a human point of view? Does the law say, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, for it is written in the law of Mo Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? The expected answer is no. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes. This was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. So he's making this point about pastors. He who pastors the church should be able to be paid by the church. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? We're talking about money, giving, paycheck. Verse 12, if others have this right... Uh, for support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. So the Apostle Paul is a missionary, and he's not a pastor of a church, and so he has the option of using this right or not using this right, and he decided not to. He said, we put up with anything rather than to hinder the gospel of Christ. So we have other means of support. Uh, we don't need your support, and we'd rather uh, minister to you for free, so to speak, so that nothing would hinder the gospel. Verse 13, this is the important part. 
don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? He's talking about Old Testament priests, I believe. Mm -hmm. Now, some people have tried to make the point, well, these are pagan priests because it's written to the church in Corinth. And they, if you've ever been to Corinth, you can go there today. You can see there's a whole lot of pagan temples in Corinth. And so it's true. Uh, pagan priests were paid by the people. They brought gifts to the, to the altar. But because the, um, the word altar is used here uh, and the word the temple... I think that it's talking specifically Old Testament, uh, Jewish priests, Jewish temple, Jewish altar, where the sacrifice was made. And then it says, in the same way, wow, those three words, those four words, in the same way, that is absolutely essential for the understanding of my point. So in the same way, the Lord has commanded, now that is a mind blower to people, Mm -hmm. They don't think giving is commanded. Like you said, Eric, most people think that it's optional, mm -hmm. but it's actually commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Now, here's the, here's the rub. You could make the point that it's commanded that pastors uh, earn their living from, from the ministry, that they should get paid, That's, that it's commanded that they... Uh, get received their livelihood. That's their livelihood. Uh, and some would say it's not commanded that we give the money. It's commanded that they receive the money. But money to me, receiving? it's the same point. <laughs> I mean, splitting hairs here. Uh, I, I don't understand. that. That's a distinction without a difference, mm -hmm. is what some people would say. Oops. So oh, go, ahead. go ahead if you want to ask. Yeah, I, I'm mean, gonna, I want to go back to the Old Testament, though, and show exactly what is said about the priests and the Old Testament. Well, let me tell a quick story to kind yeah. of put this into the context here in Utah. One of the, one of the most interesting questions that I get in Utah, uh, when people find out I'm a pastor, um, sometimes they've never met one of those before, uh, and in their church setting, uh, in the predominant religion of Utah, the local leader doesn't get paid. All right. Um, there are plenty of people in that religion who do get paid, but the local leader doesn't. And so when people hear I'm a pastor, they say, "Whoa, you get you get paid for that?" And and it's a very you know direct question. They want to know, but I love helping them understand what Paul's talking about from the New Testament here. That uh, our church um, says, "Hey, because of your experience, your education, uh, the gifts you have as pastors and leaders at South Mountain, we want to free you up to spend the best hours of your day and the, in the best of your time leading us spiritually, leading our church. And when I explain that <clears throat> to people here in Utah, they go, oh my goodness, it makes all kinds of sense now, because they see the difference, uh, when you have, um, leaders who, this is their career, leading people spiritually, and leaders who are trying to do it on the side. And so <clears throat> this is just very real here in Utah. This comes up all the time. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. They might even see from the predominant religion here in Utah that those people do it out of an obligation rather than, like you're saying, you, you, you get the best hours of your day to, mm -hmm. to, do, the, to do this work. Um, which I think is important. And, and we entered into training. Yep. We, we learned uh, 
all kinds of important things, skills, like how to handle the Word of God faithfully, mm-hmm. how to exegete Scripture, how to actually do counseling that's helpful. And, and these are skills that most people wouldn't bring to the ministry if they didn't take the time and spend the money to go to school and get this type of training. And, right. and unfortunately, I think uh, some of the prosperity pastors out there have uh, have made this very difficult because they hear, oh, you get paid for leading in church? Do you live in the mansion up on the hill? It's like, right, I right. live next to you. I don't I don't live <laughs> on the, the mansion. You've got the private jet? Yeah. No, we don't have a private jet, okay? Yeah. And and let me just say this, Paul, because I haven't done a lot of study in this, so I'll, I'll sit in the seat of, of the listener here. So we just talked about the New Testament. It seems like what Paul is saying, if I were to quickly summar- summarize it, is that you, we live in a, in a world where there's where you have to work to make a living, right? You can't just not work and you right. know, not, you know. So if you are working in ministry as a pastor, then this, then then you, it's commanded that you get paid for it. Just like if right. I worked as a manager at a store, I would. You know, I would get... obviously, if you have very few people, they're going to do the best they can to support you, and you might have to get a second job. There's nothing wrong with that at right. all. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He got a second job. But that was his choice. The The command is to the people. It's not to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Got it. It, it. Paul would be violating his own words if it was commanded that he receive his living from the gospel. Mm-hmm. No, it's commanded that the people actually support the ones, and then they can either give that money back or or say no, thank you. Got it. Now here's the Old Testament, uh, Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord or separate. Uh, it's supposed to be separated out, ten percent. Verse 31. If a man redeems any of his tithe. He must add a fifth to the value of it, and the entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. So what they're saying is, in our in our world, 10% of what you make, your income, is holy to the Lord. It's supposed to be separated out for him. Numbers 18, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Levites and say to them, When you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. In other words, if you're a pastor, you have to tithe. Mm -hmm. We tithe off of other people's tithe. Mm -hmm. And at South Mountain, every single elder, every single employee gives 10% of their income. It's, it's, in the, it's in the handbook. It's in the handbook. Because it's... we don't want to receive from people doing something that we're unwilling to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so the Apostle Paul knew the difference between have to and get to. Mm-hmm. When it came time to build the tabernacle, God gave him very specific instructions. Do not command your people to give to this project. This is a get to. Mm-hmm. So this, is, this represents generous giving. In Exodus 25, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering, not a tithe, but an offering. Mm-hmm. You are to receive the offering for me from each man, get this now, whose heart prompts him to give. So if we're having a building program, if we're doing a benevolence offering, if we're doing anything like that, yeah. it's all optional. 
relief type of effort. a release a relief effort mm-hmm. whatever it might be here here's exodus 35 moses said to the whole israelite community this is what the lord has commanded from what you have taken offering for the lord and then he said then the whole israelite community withdrew from moses's presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the lord for the work on the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry and all kinds of brooches and earrings and rings and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. All the Israelite men and women who were willing, three times, Mm -hmm. who were willing, brought to the Lord, get this, Free will offerings for all the work the Lord uh, of the Lord through Moses that Moses had commanded them to do, and so it's their hearts are willing. It's free will. It's not a problem if you don't. One hundred percent optional. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, I see it today, <clears throat> is people take passages like that and apply it to. Any giving. Any giving. Any giving. Now, we break it down into two categories, and you'll probably get to this, but I'll just give those categories now. Faithful giving, up to 10%, and then generous giving beyond that. Mm. Beyond the generous, that's as your heart leads you. That's as you're willing. Not the 10. You mean if I buy a pair of Tommy shoes? Is that the brand? (laughs) Tom's. Tom's. (laughs) Tommy shoes. Tom's shoes. And they give a pair to somebody else that I'm not generous? Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. It's trendy. It's trendy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It doesn't check the tithe box. It doesn't check the tithe box is all we're saying. Now, Paul, at this point, here's a question I get in the lobby, and I don't know if you're prepared to dive into this, but people always say this to me after I talk in this way or we teach on giving. Gross or net? Gross or net? Paul, do you have any wisdom around gross or net? No. Okay. I don't either. I mean, that's I'm a like, simple come on. answer. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just Dave Ramsey. I, so I, people know I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. Listeners may not. Yeah. Dave Ramsey just says, listen, only what does he say? Is it 5% of Christians tithe at all? It's a very small it's amount. super small. Oh, no, no, less than that. Oh, two, two, three percent? Yeah. So mm-hmm. he said, listen, if you are even considering tithing, listen, don't. I don't care if it's gross or not. Exactly. Just do something. Just do just it. Do something. Here's my Dave Ramsey question that I honestly I don't hear him talk about. I listen to Dave's podcast uh, probably more than any other. Should you give tithe and be generous while you're still in debt, Dave? Have you ever heard him answer that question? So I... Don't know his answer on that, actually. I believe he says you should, um, but I think he doesn't talk about it enough. So I think there are some, you know, and and I think debt actually cripples us in our ability sometimes to to give because yeah. we want to give. And this is why people feel so torn when they sit in our seats. And we'll talk more about how we uh, roll out this stuff in our church. We don't pass a plate, but we'll talk about some of that. This is why people feel so torn, and, and this is such a tough issue, is they want to give, but Visa won't let them. They mm-hmm. want to oh, give, yeah. but Chrysler won't let them. They mm-hmm. they owe too much money to give 10%. And I think that, oh, my heart goes out to people because they're, they're really torn in that spot. So financial health has to go along with uh, theological health around this area of giving. Well, yeah. Well, let me talk about generous giving in the New Testament. And again, Eric, you're absolutely right. Most people jump directly to 2 Corinthians 8 yep. and 9. 
and 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 it is. It's about generosity. It's not about tithing. It's about generosity. Correct. Let me give you the background. There there is a famine going on, mm-hmm. and the Apostle Paul has sent out people to collect money for the relief effort. I and, and I think the specifically it was a drought in the Jerusalem area mm-hmm. that they were trying to uh, bring relief to. So here's Second Corinthians chapter 8, 1 and 2. It says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So grace is getting better than what you deserved. And grace is also the power to do what is right. Verse 2, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. Wow, so he's calling it rich generosity, what, what they're doing. In 2 Corinthians 9.5, he says this, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift, second time he's called it generosity, that you, um, <clears throat> that you promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So this is supposed to be generosity with a smile on our face. It's also for the willing. Here's 2 Corinthians 8, 3, and 4. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Mm -hmm. This wasn't, you know, there's no manipulation here. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So they had a willing heart. It wasn't taken from them. It was given graciously. And then verses 10 and 11. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to to do so. So desire is an important part here. Uh, And then verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So, when your willingness corresponds with your ability, and you were saying people are in debt, that's mm-hmm. pretty hard. A lot of people have willing hearts, mm-hmm. and I, I congratulate that. But man, if you got yourself in debt, you can't follow through on what you would normally do. Your hearts are your heart is torn in that situation. Um, uh, chapter uh, chapter nine, verse seven. Each man, <coughs> excuse me, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And Eric, again, you were mentioning that that is the standard for most Christians in evangelical Christianity, Pentecostal Christianity, in all sorts of stripes, in mainline Christianity. In in general, this is the most misquoted mm-hmm. passage in the New Testament, especially in regards to giving. You know, if uh, if you fast forwarded to this point in the podcast and you miss what we've said earlier, this applies to above ten percent giving. Let's just get that. It's as clear called as generosity. Yes, not faithful not giving. Not faithful giving. Yes. All right. So it wasn't commanded. Here's Second Corinthians eight eight. The Apostle Paul specifically says. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So 
in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, as the Lord commanded. Here he says, I'm not commanding you. So the first kind of giving, faithful giving, is commanded. He, he actually said the Lord commanded. Now, do we have the words of Jesus saying, hey, I command the New Testament church to support their pastors with 10% of all their income? No. Mm-hmm. But somehow, someplace, the Apostle Paul knew that the Lord commanded this, and maybe he took from Matthew 23 and other passages and, and reapplied that to the New Testament church. It doesn't really matter. It's Scripture, and he's, he's, he's making the connection between there's two types of giving in the Old Testament. There's free will, generosity, uh, do what your heart is willing to do, what you're happy to do, that's generosity, and then the other kind of giving is support of the, the priesthood, and in this case, New Testament, the, the pastors and the ministry of the local church, and that is a have to. Mm-hmm. That's not a get to, that's a have to. Now, are you going to somehow suffer some kind of curse by God if you don't? No. Not going to lose your salvation. We're not under the old covenant. You're not going to lose your salvation. Uh, God isn't going to turn his back on you. He doesn't love you less. And I think this is what's so damaging about so much of the teaching on tithing is it is so connected to bad teaching on the covenants that, that pastors have manipulated their people to give by saying, God, if you give 10%, God will bless you. He'll, he'll cause you to flourish. He'll take what little you give and give you more back. It's a business deal. It's actually a very smart way to go about life because God's going to give you more than you ever gave to Him. It's an investment. They go it's an the, investment. They go to the Malachi passage that says, test me in this. God says you can test me. Old covenant. Old covenant, not your covenant. So interesting. So interesting. I think what's interesting about this is there might be people who are maybe new to Christianity or on the outside of Christianity and might be saying, well, goodness, why why does God command? Because command is such a strong word that we're using here, right? That yeah. it is commanded. But the funny thing about it is that I think people, I'm thinking through this myself, but commands are usually given, you know, from, from God our creator because they're helpful for us. Mm-hmm. You know, there right. are commands given to forgive your enemy. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing to do. No. It's not very fun. Well, but I, it's, you know, but there's pieces that come into that that are good for us to do. So um, Jesus said a lot about money. So when you take this teaching and and you apply it and think of it in terms of the other things Jesus said about money, it becomes very clear Jesus isn't trying to get our money. He's trying to prevent our money from getting us, okay? Money is a fantastic servant. It's a great servant. Put your money to work for you. Dave Ramsey says that. It's a fantastic servant. It's a horrible master. When you are mastered by your money, it is... I mean, you can't have two masters. That's also what Jesus said. So, Jesus is trying to prevent our money from getting us, so 10% in his wisdom is the amount that uh, kind of helps us release our grasp on our money, and yet we can still live on 90%, which is plenty. You know, you guys know I'm, I'm, a, I'm intrigued by positive psychology. Instead of studying sick people, they study happy people and mm-hmm. people that are thriving, and they're, trying, they're asking the question, why do these people thrive? Well, it is consistently shown that generosity is a piece to that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Generous people are generally very happy people. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. They've decided that they're not the end. Mm-hmm. In other words, they don't use people and they don't use money to try to make themselves happy. 
happy people, people that experience joy in life and are thriving, have decided they're a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And so money is a means to a, a different end. And, and their money is a means to somebody else's joy and happiness mm-hmm. and thriving. And so therefore, when God entrusts us with, with income, he expects us to use that as a means to someone else's end, mm-hmm. and that is the glory of God, the church, the kingdom of God, all this kind of stuff. And as you function as a means to, to his ends, you experience his joy. Man. Paul, I know you're talking now from uh, kind of giving people a preview yeah, to our next series. That's called, what's coming up. Called Right on the Money. Of course, I love what you're saying. It is God who gives us the ability to work to gain and earn an income. And so this is a way that we say thank you. I mean, there's so much involved with this. Now, Paul, you talked about the teaching uh, today in the local church, on the TV, oh, some of these pastors when it comes to money. And I think there's two errors. I and mean, we we address these two errors back in a series called Gospel-ish. Um, Gospel-ish is something that sounds right but isn't. And there's two Gospel-ishes false gospels out there that get it wrong on both sides, I think. And let me I want to talk about both of those. Uh, the first is the, pov- uh, the prosperity. We'll go with the prosperity gospel first, which is I give to get. I don't delight in God. I delight in what he gives to me. So I give to get something from him. It's the transactional approach. And the prosperity gospel is, is just, oh, it's just devastating. It is poison uh, to the church in America. It gets exported to churches around the world. It's absolutely devastating. That's the prosperity gospel. And I think a lot of people are on to the prosperity gospel. Hopefully more and more people are catching on. But there's another type that's really subtle, and I call it the poverty gospel. And the poverty gospel uh, stays away from 10% too. Prosperity says 10%, I forget it, give more than that, you'll get more. That's the prosperity approach. The poverty approach says 10%, forget it, uh, you should give more than that because, and this is their thinking, they delight in how much they give up for God, not in God himself. So some of these pastors are like, I gave away 90% of my income, you should be like me. And they're, But I'm so concerned about that because that is a subtle guilt uh, around 10%. It's not even enough. I mean, look at what you make. You make so much, you should be giving way more than 10%. I think 10% is this standard that prevents the prosperity gospel from robbing from people, and it prevents the poverty gospel from guilt-tripping and manipulating people. So 10% is so wise because it's a boundary that uh, helps us know when we've hit faithfulness. And the the thing is, is that I've been criticized uh, for talking about tithing by some who say, you're going to limit God's blessing on people's lives because they're going to stop at 10%. If, 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 if they just think that the tithe is required, uh, that is their ending point. And I'm thinking, no, when you tithe, something happens to your heart. And Jesus referred to it. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. When you tithe, it is a spiritual discipline that disciplines your flesh, and that basically says, I don't need stuff to make me happy. I don't need new to make me happy. I don't need more to make me happy. You discover, no, I have enough, and I'm happy to give it. And so that's the, it unlocks generosity. That's what tithing does. It unlocks generosity. It doesn't prevent generosity. Mm -hmm. And, And so I'm a big fan of it. So let's talk about, Paul, how we approach this at SMCC on a Sunday morning throughout the week as we lead people um, towards this. uh, You know, I mean, we we live in the real world. We understand that someone who's given 0% is not the next day going to start out at 10. In fact, uh, 
when you come out of the predominant religion of Utah, where 10% is, is uh, I mean, it is, how would you talk about the 10% in the predominant religion it's just of Utah? Requ- it's, it's required, but it's required in such a way that if you don't give it, you can't get a temple recommend card, and if you don't get a temple recommend, you can't go to the temple, and if you don't go to the temple, you can't do temple work, and if you don't do temple work, you can't go to the highest heaven. Mm. You're so, unworthy. This is all built into works righteousness approach mm-hmm. to a relationship with God. And so we reject that. So people walk through our doors and say, the, the moment I left the religion I grew up in, I got a 10% raise. I've heard that. People have mm-hmm. said that to me before. And so those are the people that are coming to SMCC. It's a real challenge to then lead them back towards 10%, but with a whole new attitude, a whole new thought process and, and mindset. So... um. So we, so we talk about it with like this, just start somewhere. Exactly. Now, we want to say start somewhere, take your next step, be a growing giver, and grow your giving to 10%. How long is that going to take? We don't put a time frame on that. We don't time stamp that. For some people, it could be a month. For some people, it might be a few years. But get there someday. That's what we like to say. We'll just, t- we'll just say take your next step as a growing giver. Mm-hmm. That's our encouragement. Because I think that even steps along the way, continues to unlock your heart more and more toward generosity. And in this case, if it's less than 10%, it unlocks your heart toward faithfulness. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to find out, wow, my life is not significantly different or harder because I gave 5% than when I gave no percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so there's, there's the encouragement. Maybe I'll go to 8% next year. And, and, and I think for most people, it corresponds with their dedication to getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. And so as debt is paid off, they're going to take their next step as a growing giver. And, and I applaud that. I don't want people to feel bad that they're uh, doing less than 10% because right. they've got themselves dug into this deep hole. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll applaud every step out of that hole mm-hmm. toward faithfulness. And and I don't think that uh, we should be holding their head underwater wa- during that process. Yep. We should be encouraging them. So we like to say... Uh, Make it a priority. So don't wait till the end of the month. Make it a priority. Uh, you can't wait till the end of the month and still make it a priority. But whatever it means to make it a priority, do that. Pick a percentage. So priority, percentage, and then progressive. Grow that over time, uh, and then and then grow it to to ten percent. Now, there's another thing about giving that's so interesting. You guys ever been at the grocery store and you're you know getting your eggs, your milk, Adam? <laughs> you're getting your beer, and um, the uh, <laughs> the person at the register says, "Would you like to round up today as a generous person?" And I, it always catches me off guard. Uh, I'll just confess, I never really round up. I, I don't do that because I want my giving to be planned, not spontaneous. My giving is planned. I want faithfulness and generosity to be planned out in my life because I can then budget for it. Um, And so, uh, you know, one of the things at SMCC that that we talk about is prevention giving versus intervention giving. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people today are trained to think intervention giving is the best type of giving. There's a relief thing coming. uh, We got to jump on board. You know, I see my dollars at work. Now, of course, I don't want to say there's a wrong way to be generous. That's fantastic. But one of the things at SMCC about generosity here, faithful giving here, is that it's prevention giving. I mean, we can't quantify or put on the screen stories of marriages that have been rescued, high school students that have been, you know, have taken their next step towards Jesus and 
and uh, you know, stayed away from from disaster in their life. It's it's prevention giving, and that just doesn't have the same appeal in our culture today as intervention giving. But I think it's more. more and that's important. why I think it needs to be thoughtful. It needs to be intentional. Uh, it needs to be done in a systematic way because you'll never do it if you're waiting for your heart to prompt you. Your heart will prompt you when you see a need and you want to meet it. That's how your heart, that's typically how your heart works. Mm -hmm. It reacts. We're talking about a very responsible approach to giving where you sit down, if you're married with your spouse, you talk about it, you plan it, you commit to it together. You budget it. It's in yep. the budget app, mm-hmm. you know. And and really, you know, you talk about, you know, plan, percentage, um, progressive. Pro- progressive type of giving. There's a there's a turning point for most people. And it's when they get to the point of saying, it all belongs to God. This is all his. It and he entrusts me a certain amount. And so at that point, if we, if we just kind of flip the script, again, that's an Andy Stanley term, I want to give credit where credit's due, and start to say to ourselves, okay, we're going to give first, we're going to save second, and we're going to live on the rest. That is a revolution. Mm. In that person's life, that, their, their whole money world is revolutionized that moment mm-hmm. that they make that kind of commitment. Yep. And it's the best way to live. Yep. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. And Give, so that's what we encourage. Give, save, live. I was trying to teach my daughter this yep. uh, last month, and she said, Dad, why would I ever give away any of my money? It's mine. And I'm like, well, <laughs> got some work to do here. <laughs> Just like her mom. Uh, Eric, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Eric's doing a great job parenting yeah, everybody. Had, pray, pray for me. Um, <laughs> so here's how I like to think of it, too. This is um, sort of creates... Uh, this has inspired me... Um, the local church is crowdfunded. It's been that way for mm-hmm. thousands of years. Uh, very ancient crowdfunded movement. Uh, there, it was a GoFundMe before there was GoFundMe's. People were mm-hmm. funding the local church. And um, to anybody listening to this, if you've been to a service at SMCC, um, that service was paid for and put on by other people sitting around you. And you might never know it because they're the most generous people, but they don't need to wave their hand and say, I paid for this experience. See those moving lights over there? Mm-hmm. See that speaker? See the, see the lobby coffee? Yeah, I paid for that. No one's going to say that. But your experience was put on at SMCC by another person who said it was my pleasure to create an environment for you to enjoy church. I think about the first church I attended. I trusted Jesus for the first time when I was about uh, 18 years old. There's a small church in my area. I walked through the doors. I never thought of it at the time, but that was there because someone gave. Someone gave because they cared about me enough to say the next generation needs a place for them, and so we will give. I I did not know who it was, but this is how it's worked. The generation before has said, you know what, it's our turn to pick up the torch for the next generation. We will give so that this thing can keep going. And um, man, that's inspired me all these years. On the days it's tough, when I look at my my budget and I say, man, that's going out, Uh, that's like a car payment, or I could do a lot with that. I go, you know, Eric, um, no, there are there are people whose story is going to be changed because of the impact of the local church, and we get to be a part of that. And this is the other thing, too. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back with what we give as the Nelsons, but we can do so much together. I mean, one person mm-hmm. cannot provide SMCC. This is a community effort, and it's so cool to see that my small part uh, joined other people's small parts, and now we can play a big part in people's lives. And so mm-hmm. this is why... Um, 
I continue, Carissa and I continue to to want to support the local church. It's uh, it's our pleasure to do so. Hmm. I hear you talking about what life change and and just what giving can, you know brings to you guys. Same for us, we take a a pleasure in, in being able to give um, to to SMCC or really any church that we've been a part of. Right, mm-hmm. we, we take a pleasure in that, and it just goes back to makes me think about how we talked about debt. And how you know money makes a horrible master, but a great you know great servant. And 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 I just think to myself, you know, so many people, especially I think in Utah, are so used to this debt and the payment that comes with it. Mm-hmm. You know, for the RV, for the third car, for the for the boat, for you know whatever. Bankruptcy you know. in Utah is some of the highest in the country. Yeah, it's very very high. And and I just want to say, man, what a better master it is to rather than just to constantly want and need more and the bigger and the better and the best and the newest model and all those things. Why not? Why not? Use money in such a way where you get to go, wow, look at all the life change that is happening from this rather than I'm constantly chasing, I'm constantly needing more. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a, a great way to look at funding the local church. For us, uh, we, we gave significantly for us. Mm-hmm. It might not be significant for other people, but for us, we gave significantly to the building project for the Draper campus. And right after that, the stock market absolutely crashed. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, what an unbelievably great thing that I got that money out of the stock market (laughs) and into the hands of God Uh and the kingdom before it just went away in the stock market. Yeah. And I can't tell you how happy I was to have given it before the stock market crashed. (laughs) You know, Paul, one of the things I hear people say all the time, too, about giving in the lobby, and I don't correct them on this. I mean, I'm just excited they're sharing their stories. Hey, we gave, and then all of a sudden, we got this check in the mailbox. We gave, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, I got the raise. And like these things are coinciding. And I don't want to tell people it's not cause and effect. It wasn't you gave, so God gave to you. What it is, though, I think these stories are so common is because of this. Once you make your sub- your money submit to you for God's causes, now you actually have your eyes open yeah. to what's happening in your financial world. And right. you can thank God for just anything, any of His goodness. It's not cause and effect. It's now you are aware of this reality. Now, Adam, maybe we'll wrap up with this, but um, we don't pass a plate at SMCC. We don't pla- pass a, a bucket around. I've, I've been to churches. I worked at a church that did that. That's not, not wrong. It's just not how we want to do it. Uh, Adam, you said something on the stage at, at South Jordan last week about giving and, and how to do that. Tell people what you said, because I think it's just really helpful. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to guilt people into giving. That's a big thing. We don't want to, the first-time guests to feel like, hey, you came in, and now you have to, to give, right? But I think helpful verbiage is that we consider giving at SMCC to be an honor and a privilege for those that you know, call SMCC home. There might be people in the seats that are saying, I'm trying to figure out if I believe in God. I'm trying to figure out if this is my church. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of great churches in the Valley, this, or in Utah, really. You know, it's 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 a great thing. And so, you know, if, you, if, if you're coming to SMCC, we really do think it's a helpful thing to say, okay, so I'm, I'm here. This is my church. These are my people. This is helpful in understanding the dynamic that now I'm a part of this, and I, I want to serve and be in a group, and then to give, because I think it's an honor and privilege to do that. Um, so I think that's helpful for people. Yeah. So we have, Paul, you mentioned processes and systems that make it uh, easier to stay connected on this discipline, which is, you know, m- monthly auto pay. We have mm-hmm. all those types of electronic giving that that really allow us uh, to make this a part of our system um, in our lives. Now, uh, with any investment that you make into, you know, anything, just like an investment in the local church, 
I think it's our job as staff is to show you the return on the investment. It's to thank people and show people how their faithful giving is impacting lives. So we love to share stories on the screen, stories online of life change that could not have happened without people's uh, generosity and their thankful giving. I use generosity there in just this way of saying I'm unleashing money. I I don't mean necessarily generosity in above 10%, but any giving, we want to show people it had an impact in someone's life, and we just want to say thank you. We couldn't do this without you. Yeah, beyond that, we cannot guarantee a certain number of baptisms. We can't uh, you know, guarantee that we're going to be 10 campuses 10 years from now. But one thing I can assure that faithful giver um, about, and that is the staff at SMCC is required to be faithful with their responsibility. They are expected to work hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not interested in burning people out and destroying their families or anything like that, but we're interested in giving an honest day's work. And I think the Apostle Paul talking about the soldier or the, the, the guy planting the field or the, you know, the person that has the animals, hey, work hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're threshing, right? <laughs> this is work. The ministry is work. And, and so I want the people who give to SMCC and the, our efforts here to know that we take that seriously mm-hmm. and that we're not going to um, take advantage of money that was given sacrificially and, and in some way uh, waste that. Mm-hmm. Number one, we'll try to make really good decisions, but number two, take it for granted and not work hard. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really important to us. Yeah, SMCC, Paul, I heard you say this in the early days, and I've adopted it. It'll never be built on the guilty gifts of God's people. And so um, to anybody listening to this who has supported SMCC over the years or is thinking about it, um, thank you. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you for what you thank allow you us so much. to do. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you for this conversation. We could talk so much more about this. And um, we could go on for probably hours about this and just the intricacies of it. But we hope that this was hopeful and helpful for you. And uh, if you do have more questions, if you want to, you know, to ask a question, if you feel like you need more clarity on something, you can uh, look at the phone number and the email that are in the description below and and, and just give us a, a call or an email asking that question. We'd love to answer that for you. And, and just as well, we want to thank those of you that are listening right now. You've made it through this whole podcast uh, about 50 minutes now. Um, thank you for, for staying in. And we just ask that you be subscribed, share with a friend, leave a review. That really helps us. So this is the end of season two. We'll come back with season three uh, in a little bit. And so just be on the lookout for that. Uh, but we, we are real excited to have spent this time with you. Thank you. And we'll see you in season three. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.